0: Banning the Nerdosphere, talking about everything you want to hear. From comics to cosplay, from the cinematic universe to fan films, and everything in between. It's time to get down and nerdy. Here are your hosts, James Witham and Nick Pataglia.
1: You're here, you found episode 80 of the Down and Nerdy podcast, and 80 is probably also the number... Of Emmy Awards, the Game of Thrones is going to win when it's all said and done.
2: Looking at the TV, 81.
1: <laughs> I mean, seriously, that was crazy. Congratulations to them, though, and, and Peter Dinklage as well for winning Best Supporting Actor.
2: Peter Dinklage, if Peter Dinklage, like, taped two Emmys to his feet and stood on them, he'd be the height of, like, five, probably about five foot.
1: Yeah, more than likely. Yeah. Good for him. I'm Good James. For him. I'm
2: James with him alongside... Number one, I'm Nick Battaglia. Can you imagine Dinklage on Emmy's stilts?
1: That would be great, and I think he's got another too. So now he can just connect them together, (laughs) and you know maybe Emmy wings too. I mean, screw it. If he doesn't want to get any taller, at least he could be able to fly.
2: (laughs) Well, now he could, or he can just use the Emmys to just reach things on the upper shelf, like there you go,
1: there you go, (laughs) even better. Somebody puts the cereal away on the top shelf. Hate that.
2: Now now I'm picturing like getting a little step stool out and like using an Emmy as like one of those little grabbers you use. I'm just saying. it's a it's a winning (laughs)
1: idea. They got the little pointy ends on the back too. Exactly. Just saying.
2: (laughs) Oh it could work, right? It could work. It could work. But again, this is episode eighty and wow, man. I mean, let's just talk about Blind Spot really quick. Holy
1: shit. Wow. Unbelievable job by Pretty much everyone in the entire cast.
2: Congrats to everybody, Martin Giro, Jamie Alexander, everybody in the cast. It was trending worldwide last night. Yep. Again, if you want to go back, you should go back and listen to our episode with Martin. That we did this last week. Where we talked about the show what to expect. And again, if you've watched the first episode and why, and if you didn't, then what the hell is wrong with you? You will know the big reason why Martin said we deal in loaves and not in breadcrumbs. And because my God, that first episode was just jam packed with everything, and we were live tweeting as well. And of course, it was awesome to see that the cast and crew were live tweeting as well uh, as the show was going on, and yeah, it was just awesome.
1: And I gotta tell you, if you, especially if you loved the show, why you should listen to our interview with Martin Giro if you haven't already is that he kind of tells you what to expect. Going forward, he says there's going to be a big reveal in this episode. We're going to find out about about Sullivan Stapleton's character more in this episode. So he tells uh, tells you when you're going (laughs) to find out about certain things.
2: Speaking of Sullivan Stapleton, did you see Martin's tweet? uh, The scene where they're in the Statue of Liberty and she shoots the guy. And he has a neck to Martin's, uh, to Stapleton's uh, neck. And he goes... Ladies and gentlemen, in a, dot, 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 all caps, solvent motherfucking Stapleton. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was fucking laughing my that ass off. That was up. just great. Oh, my God. But, of course, we had another big release this weekend, which we had. We had Dexter Darden on a couple weeks ago. We played his Fry Pan in the Maze Runner series. And uh, you were sick, so you get to go see Scorch Trials. However, I was able to go see Scorch Trials on Friday, and it was pretty good. Um, it, it, you know, the, the main important thing is when you're dealing with a YA trilogy, really any trilogy, so that matters, you want to draw the audience to seeing that third film. Yep. The way this at, ends, it, you know, it's going to be, of course, the third film is probably more likely the way it is going to be to allow assault on Wicked, which is, of course, the evil organization.
1: I believe that one's going to be called The Death Cure, too, if I'm not mistaken. I think yeah. It's going to be called Death Cure.
2: Yeah. And the thing with this is uh, the, the, the film was great. And the thing is, even though people say, well, zombies, I know we got we are zombied out, but the way they do the cranks in this one is really cool. Um, they felt a little bit different. If you've played The Last of Us and the whole the Creepers, mm-hmm. this is kind. Of, there's a certain way that the cranks look uh, when they're in a certain tunnel, the way they look, that makes you feel like they, that's, that's where they kind of got a little bit of the look from. Okay. Uh, but the third act, though, let's just say that Teresa does something that makes you not only hate her character, but just was like, listen, I understand you're a teenager, but how fucking dumb can you be?
1: You see, I was kind of lukewarm on her in the first movie anyway. Yeah. So that doesn't really shock me. And I, I'm, 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 I'm assuming I'll know exactly what you're talking about when I oh, go Oh,
2: you will. Oh, Man. you will. And I went with, uh, I went with our, our listener, our friend Steve as well. And he, he's like, you know, I, I liked it a little bit, you know, and stuff like that. You know, he likes, I think he said he liked the first one a little bit better. But no, I, I thought Scorch Trials was, was great. But no, it was fun. Dexter was good. Everybody was good. The lightning scene, knowing that that was, you know, they were doing it yep. real, you know, knowing that it was. That's the thing about doing certain interviews too, is that you go into the movies and, you, and somebody says, "Oh, this is how something actually happened," stuff like that. Yeah, it's kinda was sitting there with a smirk in my face just saying like I know how this happened. Yeah, if you, this happened. if you if
1: you listen to our interview with Dexter on episode seventy five, you would know that they were legit dodging that lightning. So exactly. that makes you enjoy it even more. So again, go back and listen to that. Whether you've seen Scorch Trials or not, go back to episode seventy five. Listen to our interview with Dexter Darden, and that way you'll know even more. About the movie, it makes you appreciate
2: it more. Exactly, that's gonna do it for our intro. But come up next, we got two new comics we're gonna be reviewing this week. Where are they? Well, stay tuned and find out. Down and Nerdy, more of it, come up next.
1: Hi, this is Bob Lee, Fantasy Escape Comics Cards, Z Beach, and you are listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast.
2: Well, it's that time, nerds. We got those long boxes and we discussed what we're reading this week. Of course, this segment is always brought to you by the fine folks. Over at Fantasy Escape Comics and Cards on Aragon Boulevard in Virginia Beach. Go see Bob and the Gang and all the great comics and everything else. They have for your nerd heart and the nerds that you love in your life. So, James, before I dive into the comic I did this week, I was actually going to do a different comic. I was actually going to do a Dark Horse title. Uh-huh. However, I saw that there was a trade and it was 200, $200. It was 200 pages of stuff. And like the old, the old, the old vulture in the cartoons, like the old who's like, don't, don't, don't. So I saw that I saw that. Oh, this looks very interesting. 200 pages. Dumb, 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 I, dumb, I dumb, did
1: dumb. I did the same exact thing. <laughs> I said, oh, I'm going to read this this week. And then I opened it up. I'm like, oh, how many pages is this? And it ended up being like 200 <laughs> some pages. And I went, uh, no, no. that's probably not going to happen. <laughs> it's, like, it's like the
2: cleaning lady from Family Guy. Uh, no, no, no. 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 <laughs> but uh, I decided to go back to Valiant. And I decided to go with Legends of the Geomancer, issue number three of four. Nice. And again, this is from Valiant. And the story's done by Fred Lente. The art's done by Jose Juan Jose Reap. And the color is done by Jordi Belair, who, of course, we know from Plutona as well, James, from Image. Oh, of course. And uh, so the cool thing about this is I think I've highlighted it. I haven't talked about the first issue, but um, if you're reading Book of Death, and we know, know the whole book with the Geomancers. And you go back to issue one of Book of Death, James. Remember how they had all the trees and have stabbing? Oh, all the people? Oh, yeah. Well, if you read Legends of Geomancer, it's a kind of a sort of tie-in to Book of Death. And you learn how those trees can kill people and everything else, especially in issue three. Oh, okay. That's cool. So Annie, who is a, a witch in this uh, series pretty much, uh, goes and tries to find this tree – with these couple other, like, warriors. And much explains, like, we need to find this tree because it bears fruit for certain reasons. And pretty much she takes the fruit, eats it, and gets she just gets taken into the ground. And then all of a sudden, as the panel starts to uh, go forward, you know, progress with these two warriors. Uh-huh. They're like, oh, my God, where did she go? Like poison ivy, she comes out of the tree, and has a very poison IVS tone, where she's like, the trees, they talk to me, and I know how everything happens. And oh, she controls, wow. and she can now control nature, in a sense.
1: So her getting grabbed by that tree, essentially, in the first place, gave her this ability yes. to be able to do this now. That's interesting.
2: And they walk, like, for example, there's a nice panel where she they, they walk out, and there's, like, these big, giant trolls, pretty much, and they're, like, attacking this village. And she just, like blows this, like, green mist or dust from her mouth. Whoa. And it's like, um, it's pretty much like, the, I can't think of the... Is it
1: kind of like that first episode of Gotham? We're going to be talking about Gotham in, in, in our next segment. Was, was it like the first episode of Gotham where the guy falls on the table and that purple mist kind of comes out of his mouth?
2: Kind of, but except this one, the people actually die. Oh, uh, well, that's even worse, then. Yeah. Uh, pestilence. She pretty much blows pestilence. Okay. All right.
1: All right. I got you. I got
2: you. At them. And they pretty much died. Their bones break and they just melt. And it's just like, and the, and the two warriors there with are like, Annie, what are you doing? <laughs> 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 and as you can expect, I mean, the writing is really good. And as. You know, like I said, going back to certain books like the Mad Max books where the art isn't the most detailed. But you got to think, though, this takes place in times where, like, these big warriors and, you know, old school times, you know, barbaric times. It has a very dirty look to it, very nice look to it. But then the parts with the trees, you know, it's her coming out of the tree very lit, lit very well, very clean and, and, and green. And it's kind of like, you know, very peaceful in a sense. The ambience is really good. You know, some of the writing, I was kind of, not lost, but just like, oh, okay, this is kind of cool. Didn't think it was bad. However, I just thought maybe, like, you know, there were parts, like, when she comes out of the tree and she blows the pestilence at these big troll things, I'm like, oh, my God. Like, you know, it's not a series that will leave you saying, holy shit, holy shit. This is a series that are saying... Oh, this is pretty interesting. Okay. It's more it's more interesting than holy shit. Let's okay. put it that way.
1: Well, I mean, for a tie-in you kind of expect that though. So that that's about right.
2: Yeah, well I mean it's a, it's a it's a that's the thing though, is it doesn't say it's a tie-in, but the way you read it, it pretty much feels like it, a tie-in. It's, it's a tie in. I mean yeah. they're not saying
1: it, but yeah, it, it's it's a tie in because the book of death is based on the geomancers anyway. So yeah. I mean it, but it's, it's definitely nice a tie.
2: But it's it's nice to know with this with this book how you can read, you know uh, Legends of the Geomancer and then you go into the Book of Death and you say, okay, I know why the nature's is right. you know, trees are doing this and exactly. stuff like that. It's like and it's you, like a prequel. You under, well, them. you understand the power of the Geomancer and the book right. itself, you right. know what I'm saying? So that's going to do it for my thing. This is definitely definite pull for me. Uh, the series has been great value. It's just been, again, knocking it out of the park. It's a pull for me. So James, I just realized that this is the first time in numerous weeks we don't know what the hell each other was reading this week. It just sort of happened that way. It just sort of happened that way, so I'm going to take a, a shot in the dark here. Okay. You went back like the prodigal son you are to your DC routes.
1: I actually did not.
2: Oh! A little bit of a
1: surprise. We talked about Image a few minutes ago. I actually decided to go with an Image comic that... We get a lot of chatter, actually. Tokyo Ghost Number 1, which uh, is by Rook Remender, and Sean Murphy, who, of course, did Chrononauts, you remember. Yep. Uh, So I saw that name again, and I went, huh, let's see what he's doing here. So Matt Hollingsworth does the colors, and Russ Wooten is also doing the lettering, and I would like to thank Image for giving me names that I can pronounce this week, <laughs> especially since I'm still a little bit under the weather and my
2: brain's not quite working well. And, and the lords over at Image said, take this with them and I mean, say it. I These sort of are names it so much. that you can easily say. They're here for you.
1: And you know, it's funny because I was reading some stuff on this book before I decided to to give it a try myself, and a lot of th- I saw a lot of people saying, I don't get it, I don't get it. Well, Here's what it is. And before I dive into the whole thing, in a nutshell, basically, it's a social commentary on a world that's becoming more and more dependent on the internet and technology. Oh, okay. That's exactly what it is. So it's a future society where you might, you might remember the, the nanobytes from Bloodshot. Yes. Well, this has nanotech. Ooh. Basically, you use the nanotech, it gets into your body, and anything you want, anything you need, it'll do it for you. You want to get over a painful memory? Gone. You want your penis to be bigger? Done. <laughs> you
2: want to be able to be erect and satisfy and your wife? Legit. There you go.
1: <laughs> I'm not kidding. That's legit in here.
2: Oh shit! This
1: <laughs> legit in the comic. Everything you can think of is in this comic. Like you, you want to make yourself look like a superhero? You can do that in this comic. This it, is. Do You
2: want to be abtastic like Steven Mel? Yeah.
1: yeah, and I want to tell you right now: if you want to talk about, we talk about graphic novels in the sense of there several issues drawn together. Yeah. This is a graphic novel. Not because of the pages that are in it, because of what's on the page. I mean, there's sex in this book. There is gratuitous violence. If you love the language,
2: absolutely. So pretty much it's a Donald Trump wet dream.
1: This is a adult book in every sense of the word. I mean, when you see a guy get his face smashed into a brick wall on what looks like a bat pod, yeah, that's pretty
2: intense. Oh, like my book's to have loss of sex in it. And a lot it's, of my books to be very virtuous violence. It's the best book. It's the best. It's, it's second to the, the art of the deal. It's, it's the third best selling book ever. And, and it really does. That's no, a I horrible mean, Trump. I'm sorry, but I, could, I couldn't not do it. I understand. It was right there, and, and, and you
1: had to take it. Just like but,
2: Peter Dinklage with a cereal that's on the lower shelf.
1: <laughs> hopefully the milk is too <laughs> um, so basically it follows this i mean and you want to talk about bane this guy looks a little bit like bane this this guy named led who is basically what they call a constable and the constable it's they basically in the book it says it's what keeps the sheep separated from the shepherds yeah um, from the wolves excuse me the sheep from the wolves they're like the go between guys but he's also one of those people that's Addicted to the net. He wears a helmet. You can see inside the helmet, it's basically got like a thousand news feeds, and it's probably like four different shows at the same time. And right. He's doing this while riding his motorcycle, so not so good on the um, on the safety in this book, for sure. But uh, basically, the story centers more around Debbie Decay, who is kind of like his... They call her, her, her his Jiminy Cricket. Okay. In one point where she's trying to just this is her man and he's trapped in this world and she's trying to do this one last job and then she can get him out of this world and then go be together again. But they're chasing a guy named Davy trauma who is basically, he can control these nanotechs. So he can basically take control of anybody that has nanotech inside them. Right. I want you to picture if the Joker (laughs) somehow got cyborg suit and cyborg's abilities. Okay. That is Davey trauma.
2: So pretty much, okay. This is one of the
1: most sadistic villains I've ever read in a
2: comic. So kind of like if you're a DBZ fan, Frieza when he is part android later on in the series.
1: I'm just saying, this guy murders people in mass quantities several times in this issue. Uh, there's an arena where there's a death race, which is the only thing that anybody goes to anymore that they say they don't yeah. think they can get people to leave their house. And basically, it's also a world that's desensitized and obsessed with watching people get killed. He blows a hole in the side of the arena and kills an entire half of the stadium Holy with shit. one shot.
2: So pretty much he is he went full on Dark Knight Rises Bane in this one. He
1: basically thinks the entire world is a video game and his oh. job is to kill everybody in that game. So it's a he's playing the he's playing society as a first person shooter. <laughs> oh shit. And he's a nutbag. Wow. So that's who they're chasing and it, and this is one of those deals okay if we take him down because this is the guy that everybody's scared of, we can go to Tokyo, thus Tokyo ghost, because apparently there was a war and Tokyo's the only place that's now tech-free. How ironic is that? (laughs) Yeah. So, in a place where it's times square times a million, there's ads everywhere, something happens at the end of this book, and I don't want to give too, too much away, where there's a turning point where you think it's going to go one way for one second, and then the next second, there's like this big... Oh really? I can't believe that just happened. Not because it was a it was a shitty outcome, but because it was like it's exactly what you didn't want to happen emotionally with the character, and it does. Yeah. So I don't want to say exactly what it is, but I will say that this is a pull for me only because of the sh- because of the sheer interest of how demented that villain was. Davy trauma was so demented. I want to see where they go from here and how they carry that forward. And it's an interesting social commentary. Do they ever get to Tokyo? Do they ever become tech free? How do you even get tech free with all these nanotechs? Because she's the only one that doesn't have them. Yeah. <laughs> she's clean. So, will there be more people that don't? Is this whole Tokyo thing real or is it not? And what's the end game? So, it's a pull for me. They've created a lot of intrigue. I've always been a fan of Sean Murphy's art. I think that having Rick Remender on an image series is fantastic. I think it's letting him stretch his legs a little bit, and clearly he did a lot of that in this issue to do something a little different for him. So, yeah, this is a pull for me. I can understand
2: why it got so much chatter. Well, that's going to do it for this week and what we're reading. So, come next, we got this week in Geek Tame, and boy, oh boy, James, we have a plethora of shows we have to run through. Oh, yeah. The gauntlet has been thrown on television, and we're going to jump right through it, so stay tuned. This Week in Geek Tame will come up next and Down and Nerdy. Hi, this is Martin Garrow, creator and executive producer of Blindspot, and you're listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast.
1: Well, it's one of those times of year that us nerds have come to hold dear, because it's the premiere of the fall TV season, and Nick, we're going to have a huge, huge breakdown of all the shows that debuted this week.
2: Exactly, and you know... As you said, this is something that, you know, we all look forward to as geeks. Well, if you're like us and you do a podcast or some sort of media that has to do with this type of stuff, yeah, it's a lot to watch. Oh, yeah, (laughs) definitely. (laughs) It really, really is. It was like, because we were supposed to record earlier, and then you're like, oh, ready to go. I'm like, I haven't watched Minority Report yet. (laughs) So we had to push back, you know, recording this week. But that's the cool
1: thing is that at the same time, it's awesome because... This is the first year we've had a lot of stuff that's going to be coming out
2: Exactly, that we're
1: going to want to talk about. So we're going to kind of go in order for how they premiered. And, of course, how could we not start with Gotham?
2: Oh, yeah. And, you know, it dives right in. You know, I like what they did is that they let you know, hey, this takes place a month after. Yeah you know, penguin throws fish off of the, the building and you know Bruce finds out about the cave downstairs or the little secret room his dad has underneath Wayne Manor and you know it picks off to where like, you know, we're s se- I want to talk about let's start off let's start off with Bruce Wayne and Alfred first. Then we'll get into the whole Jim Gordon and then and the whole mm-hmm. maniacs thing. But let's start off with Bruce Wayne and Alfred. Now I like what they do when we talk about how we, what we love what they're doing with Alfred, but the whole when Bruce is like, let's build a... I want to build a bomb. And Alfred's like, what? Like He's, yeah. like, he's like, aren't you kind of... No. He's, but then he goes, oh, let's do it. Screw it. Let's do it. They had fun. And then, then you know, it's great to see him, like, blow up the door because he can't get into the password for his dad's door.
1: I just love the fact that the password was Bruce and he oh, didn't yeah. try it. Oh, I yeah. thought that was really funny. But you're yeah. right. It's kind of like a... And it's always been this way with, uh, with Batman and Alfred throughout, like, the comics and stuff. But this is the first time... On screen, anyway, we're really getting that father-son dynamic yeah. between Alfred and Bruce Wayne, and I just think that's really cool.
2: Oh yeah, and we got a little taste of it last season with him teaching Bruce how to fight and yep. everything else, and him yep. standing up for Bruce. And uh, I mean, that was pretty cool. And that's went on to the whole crux with Gordon, and we see him doing like traffic stuff, and he, you know, he's back at at the police station, but again, he's been much demoted to bottom rung man Yeah, as much. far
1: down as you could possibly go
2: yeah much. well he's direct literally directing traffic you know harvey bullock he's not a cop anymore he's working at a bar as a bartender and he's sober now he's sober for 32 days
1: yeah and i love how he gave, him, he gave him a little bit of a hard time about that 32 days really okay yeah. <laughs> but i mean yeah. it takes it takes kind of an odd term because we have this mysterious guy that at one point gordon said was quote a shoe-in for arkham Yeah. And that's when it starts to get a little weird because he has that mist that comes out of his mouth. He was injected by something. Well, he wasn't injected.
2: Remember, he ingested this like blue. Right. Ingested. I I misspoke there. Ingested. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he didn't, like, take a needle and insert into the tip of his cock, and it's like, I am now all powerful. I'm not sure that's the way it's supposed to go no matter what you do. <laughs> oh, there's not, there's not, I'm not telling you right now. There's not, not a bigger rush to injecting something that like gives you superhero strength into the tip of your cock. It oh, really that's... it gives you nothing much of a rush.
1: Well, now you know what Nick's into, so anybody out there that's uh, that's wondering, there you go.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you know, first thing you know, is a whole Dr. Connors cure that I had injected in there. And I'm like, why do you to inject it this way? Just fucking do it. Hey, okay, What's it wasn't, I gotta tell you, not, what a rush. Don't have my arm back, but what a rush.
1: Well, you, that may be third arm kind of deal, I don't know. Ah, but, uh, but, but anyways. Yeah, I mean, and, and I'm just, you, you know, you couldn't help but wonder, where is this going? Yeah. You know, but I think that we've figured out that, now we've had an announcement that come out that they're going to bring the Court of Owls to Gotham, and maybe this is the start of that.
2: It could be. And again, I think that because we believe that, what well, they gave the a full season, so we're going to get a full, like, what, 22 episodes? Something like that, yeah. It's, you know, the first half of the season deals with Jerome and all the people who, spoiler alert, again, it's, this is a, you know recording this later after the week, so not really much of a spoiler, really. Hopefully you watched it by now, but uh, all the maniacs to get broken out of Arkham, at least most of them, the most important ones per se. We'll 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 say Barbara
1: this. included in that, by the way. Barbara included,
2: and you brought up something interesting, James. How, how you know people were talking about how Jerome could more than likely be a Joker, and you brought up an interesting thing of like the way they're using Barbara in this and the whole interaction she has with Jerome. Feels very like Harley Quinn ass. Not saying she's Harley yeah. Quinn, but as well, Joker gets older or Jerome gets older. His, this is how his, what draws him to Harley.
1: Yeah, I think it's obvious she's not Harley. So we're not yeah. saying that. What I'm saying is, is that. It's Harley-like tendencies. You know how they say that uh, that men always look for a woman that's like their mother? Well, yeah. this is not the case here. They're li- he's looking for a woman that reminds him of somebody that maybe intrigued him when he was younger. And Barbara, <laughs> acting like Harley, maybe later on down the line, he's like, Huh, I recognize a woman like that. And maybe subconsciously, well, that's how he makes the connection.
2: Well, well, also, Barbara doesn't have sex with clowns either. So, I mean, there's no, that thing too.
1: No, she doesn't. Definitely not.
2: Definitely not. But I mean, that was that's a pretty interesting thing. But let's get to what I think is going to be the more bigger aspect of it. And was a big thing in the beginning of the episode was Penguin finally asserting himself. As king of Gotham,
1: he really asserts himself in this episode oh, in yeah. a brutal, brutal way. I mean, when he has that gathering in that room and he kisses the guy on the forehead, and you think, "Oh, well, he's kind of indoctrinating him into the gang." No, he's not. He kills him instead.
2: Well, Zaz kills him, but yeah, I mean, and Z like there. There's pretty much the thing about this season. You're going to learn really quickly is that Penguin, the power he has, and mind you, Falcone is quote-unquote, retired, and in the comics, you know, he goes to Japan and comes back, and that's how the whole war with him and Penguin start. But with the way that, I, I mean, mind you, this is a month. This is like a year. Yeah, A month after yeah. Penguin assumes power, he pretty much has to where it looks like Loeb retires or steps down as commissioner.
1: Yeah, he actually gets him out so Gordon can get back in, which was funny because he made Gordon pay off a debt. Before which is ins- that which
2: him. i liked though
1: yeah that was interesting and he actually there was a huge scene again this is spoiler heavy where gordon actually has to go collect a debt from an un- another guy that runs a club for penguin who didn't want to pay him and fast forward long story short gordon shoots him and kills him in a parking lot while he's yeah. not a police officer Yeah. And then there's that whole scene with him and Dr. Tompkins and, you know, they're in an apartment together. And he's like, I did a bad thing. I did a bad thing. And you could tell it's just, it's eating him up. But then he kind of makes his peace with it at the end of the episode. And it's like, is this how we're going to start to get an even more hardened Jim Gordon later on down the line? Because this is what happened.
2: The way they're going with Jim Gordon from the start of Gotham is he's going to be, you know, First season, he was very, I'm going to clean up the streets, everything like that. By the book kind of thing, yeah. I mean, granted, they met with Fish, but it was more like Harvey had the connection, so Jim just took yep. tagging along. Yep. The way they're creating Jim Gordon going forward, he's going to be a man who runs on two things. Vengeance and past traumatic horrors that he's done.
1: Yeah, and I think that the whole thing that they were... When when uh, Dr. Tompkins says, let's just leave, let's just go. He's like, I can't leave. I think that... It's the genuine, I can't walk away from a job unfinished. And I think that's going to be another driving force for him. He started this and he's the kind of person that has to finish it. He's not going to walk away. Despite now Barbara being out, that whole phone call when she called their apartment.
2: Oh yeah. And
1: left that message for her on the machine, what she said. Whoa. Yeah. That was hardcore, man. So that's going to be interesting going forward.
2: But uh, of course you see the, the, you know, before we move on to our next show, if you saw the trailer for the next, this coming week's episode, a lot of shit goes down with the maniacs and and the psychopathic goth. Think of about Arkham. this.
1: Think about this for a second too. There's a red band trailer for goth. Yeah. That's how brutal this season's going to be. So think about that for just a second while you're munching on your peanut butter that you got out of Loeb's Loeb's cabinet. There's (laughs) a red band trailer, so that should tell you exactly how brutal this show's going to be. So don't DVR the show. You're going to watch this show live. So I think that we'd give this out of 10 for the second season premiere. What do you give it?
2: Oh, I I give it a 9. Yeah, it's
1: a solid 9.
2: Solid 9. Because it's just like it had parts in it that you... Again, I like the fact they addressed it when it takes place. um, And the fact that, you know, and the thing is with the rise of Penguin and where he is now, he's still, it's believable. Like, for example, he's the king, self-imposed king of Gotham. However, only a month has gone by. You saw the guy wouldn't pay his debt back, you know, he wouldn't pay Penguin. It shows that some people are I would really taking him seriously, but then that people are starting to conform to him in a sense. Yep. So he's in a little bit of a middle ground right now. It's that uh, slow burn that I love. It's the slow oh, yeah. burn
1: that they're doing. They didn't, even though they jumped a month ahead, they're still, everybody's not just in. I wouldn't say it's slow
2: burn. I'd say it's more more, more mid-paced. I think it's going to, if you had to put out a speedometer, it's probably going about a good – 40 miles an hour. They're, you know? they're,
1: they're, they're doing it progressively instead of just yeah. jumping right and saying, well, he's the king of Gotham, so now he owns everybody. No, there's still going to be some holdover. So I like that they did that too. I think that was smart.
2: Exactly. So of course, the next show we're going to talk about is Minority Report, which of course premiered after Gotham. And um, I mean, I, I love the movie. The movie was great. Yeah, I did too. The problem with this show is that it tries too hard to be funny. Yeah, I, I, I found the it, same and problem. It loses, and I think it loses track of what it's supposed to be.
1: I do like that they're not doing exactly what they did in the movie where the precogs were kind of, they kind of got rid of pre crime. The precogs were, you know, sent away somewhere so they couldn't be found, but one of them's now broken away and is trying to stop crimes on his own. I do like that kind of dynamic. And I I do think that. Stark Sands is a likable character as Dash, one of the precogs. But here's a problem that I had. Yeah. Uh, Megan Good, who plays uh, Detective Vega on the show, who is kind of like ends up partnering up with Dash. It's almost like they wanted you to know. Guess what? She's attractive. Look at her. Look at her. Look at her. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of look at her moments. It's like, okay, we get it. She's got a nice body. Can we, you know, get back to the show now?
2: Right, and I I want mean, to go back to Stark Sands a second. I don't know if it's the writing or his ability to act, but he just, his acting in the pilot just wasn't good.
1: Oh, there's overacting all over the show. Well, I think that it, there's it, it, no ifs, ands, or buts about it.
2: He, you know, you, you, you got the whole pre thing, and then these are people who've been locked away, don't have any touch with society at all, and haven't really had much interaction outside of each other. However, with with Dash, it's just, I'm listening to him talk. I'm like, how old are you? And it seems like you've been outside in the real world for X amount of years. See, but that's that's just it. They don't cover
1: that. We don't even know how long that they've been out. So maybe there's a reason for that. But we wouldn't know because they didn't really tell Um, us how long he's been out.
2: Another problem with the acting, of course, Wilmer Valderrama as Will Blake yeah. He just—he's. I know he's trying to play off the whole cocky lieutenant, I'm your boss thing, but yeah. I'm sorry, I can't. I, it doesn't work for me. It doesn't man. work. You know, I don't he, buy he it from him work. at all.
1: He does not work. I did not buy that for one second. It um, was sad.
2: The, the problem with Minority Report is this: is that it, it you, when you watch this show, you don't get the sense of it's Minority Report outside of the one scene where she's, you know. Peace and the guy of the Crime Scene, and everything else with the whole, like, how Tom Cruise did in the movie. The futuristic style, yeah. yeah you yeah. watch this and you're just like, it's just a futuristic cop show. You don't have, you know what I'm saying? You watch, well, it's not like you're watching Minority Report, you're watching just a, oh, it's a cop show set get, in the future.
1: Yeah, people get mad because they say, oh, it's another procedural, it's another procedural about a lot of shows that are coming out. Where, and I think that that's a, a lousy criticism because if people don't like procedurals, they'd stop making them. But right. this this show in particular to me did not feel like if you're gonna do a procedural you've got to make it different i don't feel like they like you said i think that's a valid criticism they didn't make it different enough you yeah. can't just set it in a certain it aspect felt, yeah and, and felt, just think you can make it work
2: it felt very generic you know like when i'm watching this i'm like there's not one part of it, there wasn't a part where i'm like oh my god is this going to be averted
1: like yeah, and even, even even the bad guy in the first episode, it's like I don't I didn't even buy this from them. I didn't yeah. buy the the like the presence of doom. And, like and one thing
2: that bothered me too was this is, you know, a spoiler alert kind of uh, the guy that that's the bad guy in the first episode isn't in an insane asylum.
3: Yeah for
2: the people who because people were taken away and got the halos around them, it messed their brains up everything else. Um, you're telling me that an uh, asylum or whatever doesn't know that one of their big people is missing, especially when he has his own hobby on top he's, of its roof. He,
1: yeah, he's on the roof of the asylum. And the fact that they're letting him... I think that the, the bigger problem is they're just letting him do this. You know, with these yeah, pigeons. Like, I yeah, don't think pigeons, that's a thing. And it's tech. It's like, oh, how do you do...
2: It? Oh, a tech implant And it's like, and they let him do this given what he's trying to do in the show? Like, they let him know
1: yeah it doesn't it doesn't make any sense to me I don't know why I don't know why they decided to go that route so i'm um, I mean i'm gonna go five on this just because i'm no. gonna give it a little longer
2: how many are you okay now here's the question are you gonna watch the next episode and if so how many episodes are you gonna give it
1: i'm gonna dVR it
2: oh wow so, so that way i'm just
1: I'm just keeping it real man i'm gonna dVR it and that way I can go through the beginning and if it you know piques my interest I can You know, continue watching it. But if it doesn't, I'm gonna get. I'll give it three episodes. The three issue, three episode rule. I'll give it three episodes.
2: Part of me is just—it's just one of these things where it's one of these things where, like I said before, I were we were gonna record earlier, so I haven't watched it yet. I had, mind you, I had almost a week to watch this, and I'm like, it just no. You know what what I'm saying? Like Muppets, like Muppets, like Muppets will get will get to later on. But like Muppets, I woke up. And watch Muppets. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. This, I'm like, oh shit, we got to record and I'm not ready yet. So I got to watch the show. Yeah.
1: And and I was actually looking forward to this, I think, more than you were, but I fell into the same trap where I did I not honestly, watch it right away.
2: Honestly, I kind of forgot that it was happening. Because, and that's not good. You know,
1: no. You know, you should, you should know. You should they be psyched enough in the for shuffle. it. Yeah. You they should be psyched in the enough shuffle. for it. I'll tell you what didn't now, get lost next, in the shuffle. Well, I got to get yeah. my rating
2: for that. I can get my rating. Oh, back. Yes, I, so I, I, I give it. I give it about a three. Okay. I give it a three. That's that's fair. That's fair. Uh, But yeah, James, let's move on to the next show, shall we?
1: Yeah, because blind spot. you heard us talking to Martin Giro last week. Uh, We couldn't really let the cat out of the bag for the stuff that we knew about because we didn't want to spoil it for you. But this week, we could talk more about it. And I've seen a lot of criticism for this show, again, calling it a procedural. But Nick, I got to tell you, I think that for this show in particular, they brought something different to the table, and I think it was really exciting what they did.
2: Again, we mentioned in our interview with Martin Giro, we don't want to go too far into it repeat some of the same things we've said. Yeah. Going, again, if you want to hear that, go back last week to our interview with Martin. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's smart how they had the whole thing with her memory and everything else like that and how you know you don't know who knows what because it seems like everybody knows a little bit something different and it could contribute to where they're going with this. And Sullivan motherfucking Stapleton.
1: Yeah, that guy is amazing. If you didn't know about him before, you're going to know about him now because just he brings that grittiness, but he also brings that sense of, I don't know, compassion, but he doesn't want to show it kind of thing. Yeah. It's, it's really crazy. So like we were talking to Martin Jira about, something's happened with him and we're apparently we're going to find out what it is, but... There's just a lot of... The whole team, even uh, Rob Brown, who plays one of the detectives that's with him, does a fantastic job. He's the comic relief on the show, but it's not forced like it seems like it is in Minority Report.
2: Exactly. Exactly. It, like, and, and the thing like, with, with Spot too, is, again, compared to Minority Report a little bit, the banter with Jane Doe and, you know, Sullivan Stapleton's character, uh, not at any point, Grant, you know, not at any point do they belittle one another no not at all not at all they 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 try to make the others seem small
1: it's but i mean i know he tries to keep her away but that's to keep her safe it's not because you're a woman and you can't handle yourself no it wasn't about that at all
2: well it's also because she has all these clues tattooed on her so if anything happens to her you know any cop
1: would treat any witness that way yeah you know and that's basically what she is she's a witness or she's a victim however you want to describe her She's not somebody that you would want to thrust in harm's way, and, but we I find mean, out she can can't handle herself. I mean, still.
2: We, you know, we we promoted the hell out of the show, and you know, looking at the ratings, I mean, it was number one in the ratings, and it, it did something, and it hadn't been done in a few years. James, let me yeah, know it, what that is.
1: It actually did similar numbers to when the blacklist premiered three years ago in the same time slot. They haven't been able to find anything to work in that time slot since, so that should tell you, you know, how much you love The Blacklist, and I love The Blacklist as well, and so do a lot of other people. Right. That should tell you where this is going, and I think that I've said it before, it's like Blacklist meets Born Identity, and I think they brought the the whole I don't know what happened to my memory thing, they brought something new to it, and it looks like we're gonna get loaves, as Martin Giro said, as we go along, so... I'm really excited for the rest of this show.
2: Exactly, so I think we should give our rating on this. Of course, I'm giving it a ten.
1: I'm gonna give it a ten as well. I mean, I know people are saying give it a higher rating than
2: Gotham. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. well, the thing is, with Blind Spot, and it's not, and it's not because we have Martin on the show and stuff like that. It's a ten because they took things that we've seen in procedurals before. And give them f- new life and yes. fresh takes on it. And the action and the
1: writing was good. The storyline was when
2: you f- good. And when you see Jamie Alexander fighting in the episode, you know it's her. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, exactly. You, you, it, it, it's real. And, you know, you don't feel like you're watching a double. You know, she's had a double, yeah. you know, used before. And I believe used in this too. But, again, you know she's kicking ass. You know it's and- her. And, and the, the chemistry just works with yeah. these people. And,
1: I mean, is the science spot on? Science, no, it's not spot on. But, I mean, give give yourself a break here. You yeah. Know? Let, let, you know, we have to be able to enjoy things. Yeah. Just enjoy the good storylines, enjoy the great action, and enjoy trying to figure out who the bad guy is because I still don't think that we know, and I love that.
2: Exactly. Exactly. So the next show is going to be not much of a procedural but more of a comedic show. Of course, talk about the Muppets on ABC. So... Now, here, here's what I want to say about the show. Was it drop-dead funny every minute, every second? No, it was not. Nope. Does it, does it use heavily the office formula? Which is yes. you know, a single-camp single thing? Yes. <laughs> yes, it does. But they poke fun at it, though. Oh, they really do. A couple of times. It's
1: satire.
2: It's satire. Okay, people
1: need to realize that it's satire from The Office, and it's also satire of Parks and rack. talk shows and Parks and rack. It's taking different elements and using it. Like when they're at the writers' table, and oh you've my got, God. and you've got Sam the Eagle saying, "Here are all the words that need to be cut out of the show." And the part where he says, "You can't say hell," that was hilarious. And you had another scene that I also thought was really funny that you liked it's, from that same
2: time. It's the meeting scene. Where, of course, you had you know, the, the band there, and Zoot wakes up, like, he's like, Oh, we're in a meeting? You're like, yes, this is the meeting. He goes, uh, My name's Zoot. And they're like, No, 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 it's not this type of meeting. And I'm like, Wow. Yep, yep. They went there. Yeah, they and, did. And, and my thing is with the whole, uh, I mean, it's news, so we might as well talk about it, but the, the one million moms, whatever they're called, are boycotting it because it was too adult or whatever like that. Listen, in the age <sighs> of social media, the only way groups like this can stay relevant at all – I didn't know this were they were still a thing – is by using social media and doing this whole fake outrage and everything else. And it, again, if you're somebody who's watched – I mean I saw people who were – even were like, oh, I don't like it because it's not what I was when I grew up. It's like you watch the Muppets through the eyes of being a child. Yeah. So you never got the adult humor of it. Can you go back and watch the Muppet show from like years ago as an adult now – and you get all the jokes like that went over yeah. your head. Let me you know let me jump saying? in. Let me jump in here for a second. Cause I'm gonna
1: point out something that's completely painfully obvious that probably a lot of people didn't bother to realize. Huh. This is TV PG, okay? Yeah. What does PG stand for? Parental guidance. It's in the rating. Know yeah. your TV ratings. This is an adult show. Does it use the Muppets? Yes. Are the Muppets typically for kids? Typically, Not, but uh, even, the bu- Jim, even the Muppet movies haven't been would all would that kiddish.
2: I wouldn't say tip I think Jim Henson's, the reason why Jim Henson had the Muppets was because the Muppets were, he wanted the Muppets to be for adults. And and kids, yeah, but I think- They maybe have crossover like, appeal. I think like kids are like 10, 11 years old. Because, remember, they had Sesame Street. Sesame Street was for kids. Muppets, I think, was for the- Coming of age people and adults, I think.
1: I think there's crossover appeal there because you remember Kermit the Frog was on uh, Sesame Street a lot, right? So there's crossover appeal there. So I think it does appeal to both audiences, and I think that's kind of what you want. Should kids be watching this show? Hey, you're a parent; you make the decision yourself. Should yeah. the show be? Should the show go away? Like because it's got adult the whole, themes? No. What,
2: like what the theme that I was, I felt kind of like shocking, not shocking, but. I was kind of happy they went, was with Fozzie and Yeah, that girlfriend. was funny.
1: That was And how funny.
2: they, it was funny, but it was also a, a, a take on like inter, you know, interspecies, of course, but, you know, interracial dating and right. certain things that are today, you know, that, you and, know, things that happen today. And I mean,
1: was it hardcore edgy? No, it wasn't hardcore no. edgy, but I mean, it was, it was enough and it was funny. So... I don't know. Uh, rating wise, where where do you go with this? Because I mean, it's it's hard for me a little bit.
2: I li- like. I'll say this: I, I, there wasn't a part where I was like, "Oh, I'm this isn't what I expected" or anything else. Coming into this, I, I knew like the Muppets have been around for a long time, so I'm like, they're right now. I think they're just trying to get what they can out of, the, mm. out of them. I, I view the Muppets like Brett Favre towards the end of his career, <laughs> like where he's just trying, was trying to get something out of them. And he's just going from team to team, and it's it's one of those things looking. where
1: it's going to have its moments, and then it's also going to have those times where it throws four interceptions and loses yeah. the game. So, uh, uh, I, I, I'm going to go uh, seven and a half. Yeah, see, it's hard, isn't it? Yeah, I'm I'm gonna go a little bit below that. I'm gonna go six, only because. There were times where it was laugh out loud funny, but there were other times where I was like, "Oh, they could have done so much more with that, and they missed an opportunity." So right. I'm definitely going to keep watching it, but once the flash starts, yeah. I'm DVRing it. Sorry, yeah, it's just the way I, it's going to go.
2: One thing I hope that happens too. I, I love the scene with Scooter uh, and I can't. It was with Banks. Yeah, I love yeah, in the golf cart. But yeah. One thing I, I hope that happens is I, I understand this is a, it's called the Muppets. But when you bring on these special guests, don't I hope that they're just they don't bring them on and make them more background. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I know what you're saying. Like I, I want understand. them to utilize them more. Like the whole the thing with Tom Bergeron was freaking hilarious. That was really it was funny. Sad too. He was holding his head down and all that. That was great. Uh, I love that. Yeah. We have a whole lot of, da- of stars, and you bring Tom Bergeron. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm on the elevator yet. Oh. Um... <laughs> It was really, yeah, that was really funny.
2: That was really funny. And of course the last show. Now you're probably wondering like why are we talking about limitless? A we forgot about it. B ah, it was not what what could we do? You know what I'm saying? I don't it, think it really It was borderline
1: fit. for me, man. I mean Yeah. It, it's there's sci-fi elements there, but that was too borderline for me. So we decided to just pass.
2: Yeah. Um but we are gonna end with of course Heroes Reborn. So James, since you are our heroes aficionado, Take it away.
1: I got to tell you, the way that they started it out, where they had the, and again, spoiler heavy here, uh, where they had the quote-unquote terrorist attack in Odessa, which, of course, you remember, that's where the Bennett family was from, and we yep. try to find out what's happening with Claire and everything. They went progressively, they said, okay, one month after that, and then two weeks after that, and then one week. So they, they gave you a nice little progression to lead you up to present day. But I got to tell you, as a Heroes fan... From before, and I agree it trailed off at the end. So it's not like I loved all four seasons, so don't get me wrong. But this was such a shot of new life uh-huh. into a show that I wished could have lasted longer.
2: There there are two things I look forward to the most. The first thing is James and I we watch certain shows or movies, we're never really in the same room together watching them. I look forward to when James and I are watching shows together, especially ones that maybe like he's most more about or I know more about than him, whatever. And also, B, when I get those texts when we're apart and we're watching different shows or whatever, and I get the the play by play text of James saying this show's <laughs> terrible. Oh my god, this they just did this. And oh, I never bash. I never bash anything like that either. But. No, but he did last week. Bash execution, which was well, it hilarious. was it was it was uh, justified. But no, I mean, it, it was because and it was the reason why. Like watching this with, with you. As someone who's never really watched Heroes, I mean, I, I I was one of the guys where the only time I'd watch Heroes would be if I was with a friend of mine in college. And I was a freshman in college when Heroes came out, really. And I'd be, like, in his dorm room, and we'd just watch it, and it'd just be odd. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it'd yeah. be like episode eight. You know, i have never watched it religiously. But watching this with you, it, it helped me. It's like, okay, well, what's going on here? What's this happening? And you'll tell me, okay, oh, the glasses, he just put on the glasses. What are those? Yep, about are to those get those real, signatures? man. You know, or things are gonna get go, are going to happen. I watching, mean, it, 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 and I watch this, like, there are peep, certain people where I'm like, there's only one problem with this. It feels like, I hope you don't spread the web too far. Well, you're worried it's going to be Sense8. Yeah. And I don't think
1: that that's going to happen. I mean, I think one, the, the new characters, I think they did well, but. Oh, Zachary and,
2: Levi and Judas Chaconian as a comic. Oh, yeah. Zachary Levi. bravo Oh my God.
1: man. I mean, to step outside of what you normally do like that unbelievable because that is so not him oh yeah So you want to talk about you talked about acting earlier you want to talk about acting well done by zach but here's a
2: problem though like let's actually let's talk about some of the bright spots but then let's talk about some of the issues we had with it so of course you know jack coleman's back as as noah bennett and i mean yeah really really good i like the fact that they did the whole thing of hey humans and, and evos are you know coming together and they're working together. Then this big explosion happens yep. and now we're back at square one, you know, and I, I like that a lot actually.
1: And I got to tell you, move, even moving on from that, how about Kiki Sukazane, who was Miko?
2: Yes.
1: That is probably the most exciting new character. She's that they so have.
2: badass.
1: Her power where she gets that sword and then she ends up in this video game. Yeah. That was pretty, In the and I did not expect the action that we got from that and the graphic action, I was shocked.
2: Yeah. In a good way though. In a good way. Like the, the the when she's in the video game, it looks awesome. I mean, she's just decapitating people, cutting people in half, and it's amazing. And it's just like it's really awesome. It even adds an extra element of like, ooh, what could be going on here? And I felt like when I watched certain people as going between the timelines. She was the most interesting one. I kind of watched. Oh, no
1: doubt. There's parts of me when I watch
2: this, I turned to you, I'm like, I really hope to do a spinoff with her or something with her. Well, I mean, they did
1: a lot of things with with Tommy's character, you know, how he can basically teleport people places and he doesn't know where they're going. Well, we find out that he kind of does. And his kind of romance with that Emily girl kind of thing. And, you know, that's kind of typical for shows like this. So you expect that. And then you also had another side story where there is a hustling going on at a craps table. But then your mind was drawn back to the Miko story and her... I got to say, I got I got kind of a, a vibe from the original series with her interaction with the other character, Ren, which I think was played by Turio Ichikado. where I got kind of a hero and his buddy vibe yeah. from the first season. I can't remember his name for the life of me, but I got a vibe of their interactions, not just because they're both Asian. It was because it was that whole... Okay, we've got the fun loving guy here and the more serious person well, here, but we, the roles we, were reversed. We had the
2: guy who was kind of like you felt like okay, he was kind of stalkerish at first. He was
1: fanboying out and he was stalkerish. It was yeah. weird. It was but like then it
2: was like she saw like, hey, he's here to help me, so we're gonna be friends, kind of thing. It was but, very it was very your Ron Mars in the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: I mean, we very were at we were, at we were
2: at we were at PF Chang's, let me
1: tell you. I mean there was
2: very you're this person. Yeah, you exactly. Do this.
1: So I mean it's just to me, I was really excited when I, when we watched this and we got through it now. Cause I was, it's like, I was watching it the whole time going, please be good.
2: Please be good. Please yeah. be good. And it was. No. Yeah. I was hoping she doesn't die, but quickly, James quickly give us your rating. Uh, okay.
1: I don't want to, I don't want to be that guy that loved the original series and give it a good rating because of that. So don't think that that's where I'm at with this. I'm going to give it an eight because I think the action was good. I think they set up a lot of things. I don't think they forced the old characters down our throats. I don't think that they did a whole lot of forcing with the new characters either, but it's a cautionable eight because I don't want it to end up doing what Sense8 did and bounce around too much and never bring them together, but I I just have this gut feeling they're gonna.
2: I'm gonna give it... So I'm probably gonna... I'm gonna go... Because I, while I did like certain scenes, I like some of things were really going. I'm gonna give this probably about six and a half. Okay. Um, only because, like I said, I never really was in the heroes. It was not really my thing. Um, I did like some of it, but then there was a lot of parts of it where I was looking down my phone. I was checking Facebook. I was, you know, looked back up. Oh, okay, this is happening. You know, it it uh it wasn't bad, but again, it's just one of those things where it's like. It's, I think Heroes, I think it's an acquired taste.
1: If you're a fan, you won't be disappointed, but it is darker, so just be ready for that as you're going in. But that's going to do it for our first fall preview We'll be tackle stuff like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. next week. But this week, we got some nerd news, abbreviated version on the way next on Down and Nerdy.
2: This is comic book writer Tom King, and you're listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Well, it's that time, nerds, will we quickly go around the internet and see what's trending because it's time for what, James nerd Nerd news News. we're gonna be like the nfl red zone for new news that's right exactly we're gonna have
1: it on a bunch of different channels and we're gonna kick it off with some video game stuff
2: yeah well really some some couple stories here the first big story of course is deals with video games more of the video game industry and it's that uh a lot of the if not the whole video game voice actors community is close to going on strike
1: yeah and it looks like there's been a hashtag that's been floating around by a lot of our friends in the industry and some other people as well that they just feel like everybody needs to be paid the same basically they want equal equal rights and equal wages and stuff like that and that everybody should be important in the making of these video games so tell people what the hashtag was you might have seen it on twitter what was the hashtag that was going around
2: it was called Hashtag Performance Matters. Um, if you go on our Twitter account, if you go on my Twitter, at MercuryOneArm and James's, you'll see that we might have put up some tweets in support of our, our friends who are voice actors professionally in the video game industry and TV and animation. And uh, there was, a, there was a, a story or an article written by Will Wheaton which really opened your eyes. And first of all, let's, let's preface this by saying anytime somebody says it's not about the money, it's about the money, especially when it comes to renegotiations. Yeah. Um, but we're not holding it against anybody because, you know, you give... We feel that if you give a certain amount of time to a project, especially if it's a game or whatever, you deserve... To see some coin from yeah. sales, and you know where they call royalties, you just and everybody royalties. has their levels everybody. of importance
1: too. You know? Yeah,
2: I mean, and we're not just saying that voice actors should get ro- just get royalties. We're talking, I mean, developers should get royalties too, and everything else.
1: Everybody should get a piece of the pie. The yeah. way you look at it. You know, especially when it comes to resales and re-releases too. You get game of the year editions and stuff like yep. that. That's a re-release, so everybody should get their little slice of the pie. And and as somebody who's Been in that situation before. I've done professional voiceover work in the past, and you've had people—you got people on the other line—and they make you reread it, read it this way, read it that way, and it takes. This is hard work. I think that people think that the stuff that goes into these games—it's—it's just easy. You know, you just read a script and you're done. This is hard work, and it takes a lot of time, and there's a lot of stress on your voice. Imagine talking nonstop for eight hours a day for yeah. weeks. Yeah. I mean, it might not seem like it should be that much, but it really is. So not you have talking, to understand
2: that. Not just talking about emoting. You're like in the part in the, in the Wheaton article, he pretty much created like this fault, this, this script. He says, okay, here's this like quick sentence. Now say this eight times. Okay. Say this again, but scream it this time. And it's like, your yeah. voice is getting destroyed. And he's pretty much saying like, listen, this is what we want. Yes, we want royalties. But what we want more, though, is better working conditions. And people say, well, what do you mean you're getting paid X amount of money to be in a studio all day? It's like, yes. But, again, he, he, he showed, like, and as James even mentioned, you're in the booth for hours a day. And he goes, what we want is, things like, the NFL. I know I've been referencing the NFL a lot this week in the show, but here's why. When the NFL had their CBA bargaining agreement, what was the main thing? They wanted to reduce injuries. So what did they right. do? They got rid of – they lowered the amount of pad practices.
1: No more no two like days kind of stuff No more two days.
2: Well, not, They can do two days, but they limited the amount of two days and stuff like that. Um, with voice acting, what they want to do is instead of being able to hold these actors in this booth for like five-plus hours screaming and pretty much hemorrhaging their vocal cords and doing damage to their voices, they want to say, you know what? For union stuff, Cabinet 2. I want to
1: pause for just a second to spotlight something that you said. What hold these actors? I want you to think about that for just a second. They're holding these people in these booths. I'm not trying to say that places like Ubisoft and Crystal Dynamics and stuff like that are sitting there with armed guards at the door saying, You're not leaving kind of thing. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is is that they are a lot of these companies will force these actors to go beyond their limits. Right. To get the project done in a time manner. Of like, and a lot of that has to do with release dates. Trying to push the yep. release date. Get it out faster. Get it out well, quicker. That,
2: and it's like, okay, we have to have this out by E3. We have to get ready for right, this presentation. Exactly. And I mean, it's kind of like being in the music industry and having the, the studio space, you know, and, and, and the recording studios and stuff like that. Um, but, I mean, yeah, they, so they wanted it to be lowered to two hours and they've given these proposals and you know, and the, their bosses are saying no to them and they're so sag after they're choosing to, to strike and I'm with them. And here's the thing, too, is I think it opened my, my eyes, too, opened my both of our eyes when Wheaton said in his article, he says, listen, they want to make it to where if they feel you're, you're not – if you're late or if you're uh, – they feel you're not being attentive enough, which he's like – it can range from checking a, your phone for a text – uh, posting something to Twitter, whatever, they can find you. They want to be able to find you like $2,500 yeah, or and, more. And
1: that's ridiculous. I mean, that that's really, really ridiculous. And
2: the thing is, it's like if a producer has sh- anything about this, too, it says a producer, they want producers to be able to like, find you thousands of dollars for not being quote unquote attentive enough. And it's like, that's wrong because what if a producer is having a shit day? What if they find out like they're yeah. going through a divorce or the kids in the hospital or something? Bad or they got into, or somebody cut them off in traffic or whatever. They're gonna go into that studio with a fucking grudge. It's like and, it's- and just because, uh, you know our friends, Courtney Taylor or David Sobolov or whomever checks their phone for Twitter or gets an email for another job they're doing or whatever. They check it quickly. And the producer says, you know what? Fuck you. I'm finding you this much size of the dollars. That's fucked up.
1: Yeah. It's like the teacher that gives the kids extra homework because they had a bad day or they had, they had a rough problem at home. So they decided to take it out on the kids at the school by giving them extra homework or doing a pop quiz or something like that. It's very similar to that. And Now, I'm not saying that, you know, because there's some people that kind of slack off on their job. So there should be consequences for that. If you're just not paying attention or you're just not in it for whatever reason, because everybody should have to check their stuff at the door, okay? If you go to work and you got a problem, you need to kind of check it at the door because you're a professional and you need to do your job. There's days where, you know you're not feeling it and I, or I'm not feeling it. But we do this podcast and we check it at the door and we yeah. get it done because, you know, it's something that we take very seriously. So I don't think there should be no consequences at all if somebody's clearly slacking off. But right. then you get into the whole, well, who judges these punishments? And is there an appeal right. process? And do exactly. we really want to get into all that? Because it's just not worth it, man.
2: Exactly. So, I mean, again, uh, the hashtag is performance matters. And again, if they strike... And we said what well, they're probably end up doing is using, you know, scabs and it, yeah. you know voice talent and stuff like that. And here's the thing, too, is really quick that I want to talk about this. Um, I think if you're the video game industry, yeah, because, you know, you're losing this great talent and you're, you know, who are striking. But look at what the games are coming out, though. Metal Gear Solid came out. We're getting Fallout 4, Battlefront. All these big games are coming out now. Yep. So you can't tell me that the video game companies are breathing a sigh of relief right now. And no. It,
1: you know. Yeah, and a lot of these are, are... A lot of them are done. Yeah. You know, a lot of work on this stuff is done. There's one that I could probably point to that I don't think is done, and this is... I have no inside information, but I'm thinking Assassin's Creed's not done. No. So that might be one that they could be a little bit of trouble. But, I mean, it's already been... There's been problems with it, as it is anyway, them losing certain certain people that are involved with that. But, I mean... The funny thing is, too, is we always say that you know take your time to get it right when it comes to games, and, and everything gets rushed. I think this is just one more example of how things are getting rushed, and we're not getting what we should be getting well, because you know it's it's hard for these voice actors well, and again, and,
2: and again, and it's you know we're not going oh poor little voice actors. You know we're we you know well, they make gonna, good
1: money. Let's they just make put good money right now. But
2: what we're saying is is that these are notice, The word voice comes before actors. If they tear something like a vocal cord or whatever, they're done.
1: It's like, it's like, or or there's a lot they got to climb
2: back from, you know? It's It's, like,
1: I'm going to take a music industry for a quick example. Uh, Back in the nineties, Faith Hill was about as hot as you could get. mm -hmm. And she actually ruptured her vocal cords. I believe it was a complete rupture. So she had to actually have surgery. She was out of music for for a couple of years and she had to dig her way back in now granted it worked out for her but think about it. think about doing something at your job where you lose the ability to do your job for even a year oh think about that for a second
2: Well, even with our jobs we work in radio and can you imagine if we lost our voice yeah it's and, hard, man. and we couldn't do a show for like or even the podcast like man i gotta surge my vocal cords i can't talk you know, that's going to put our employers in a tough spot. That's going to yeah. put us with this podcast in a tough spot, you know, and everything else.
1: It's, it's difficult, and people need to think about that. So you might think that it's an easy job and, oh, poor voice actors kind of thing. They're already getting paid enough. It, I don't think it's about getting paid enough. I think it's about getting paid but also getting things to be a little bit more fair, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that.
2: Exactly, so again, the hashtag is Performance Matters." So again, if you're you know in support of these voice actors, which we hopefully th- hope you are, use that hashtag and voice your your opinion and your support for these voice actors in the industry. But our next story, James, the reason why we're doing this next story is because not only is it, it was a big photo reveal over the weekend, it's something that's close and near and dear to you, and it's getting a lot of flack. and of course talking about the release of Red Tornado and what the costume looks like. And the reason why we're talking about this, too, is because, well, it wasn't really big news outside of the first story we did. It wasn't really a big news week. But what's your take on the costume first, but second, the beating this has taken so far?
1: Um, well, first of all, I look at it, and it's not – I don't hate it, but I don't – it wasn't what I would have wanted and, and what I would have expected.
2: But, yeah. And the uh, reason why I, I ask you this, sorry I cut you off, the reason why I am asking James this is because Red Tornado is like James's like second favorite superhero, pretty much.
1: I don't know if I would go that high, but it's definitely he's got a near and dear place to, in when my. When I heart.
2: showed, dude, when I showed you that they were that they cast Red Tornado, your immediate reaction was, "Oh fuck yes!"
1: I was excited. I mean, the character's been around since 1968. This is a Silver Age character. People don't really realize that he's been around that long. And bringing Tio Morrow into the mix, who actually creates Red Tornado. This is almost, it's not exactly like DC's version of vision, but it's as close as you're going to get. But here's my problem with that. I think that they did the costume this way because they were worried. He would look too much like the vision because I'm like, okay, where's the Cape and where's the T going down the front of his, the arrow going down the front of his his face. And why is the T all messed up? And it, and we kind of made a joke that it kind of looks like turbo man. It, Kinda, yeah. does, it look kinda like does, does look like Turbo Man. And I realize that they're going Kevlar look with almost everything now in DC. I don't really have a problem with that, but it looks it just looks puffy well, and think, clunky. Yeah, and
2: why? I yeah. think Kevlar, you don't think red tornado, you think like arrow yeah. or something like that. You know, but when you see, you know, red tornado and you don't think Kevlar. You think, okay, maybe like a skin tight suit or something like that. And, again, my problem with the suit is it doesn't look very red, first of all. Uh, it's very puffy and big. Yeah, it's very and every, My thing, is, and, and this is nothing against the actor who's playing him, but my thing is when I see this, this suit and I see how puffy it is and how padded it is, it shows that he didn't have much of a, at least to me, it shows he doesn't have much dedication when it comes to getting in shape and hitting the gym. You know what I'm saying? I
1: don't know if that has anything to do with it. I mean, that's a possibility, but I'm not sure that that even matters. What matters is how he performs and and how how it looks when it's actually in action. That's why I can't complain about it too much because I don't like being the guy that says, oh, it looks awful. And then, I mean, as as long as it gets portrayed well and it looks good on screen once it's being actually used, then I'm going to not have a problem with it. But at first glance... I'm not a huge fan of what they did.
2: Exactly, exactly. And, and, and the thing, my, my, my problem with this, with the costume, too, uh, I mean, you mentioned the cape, you mentioned the, the whole arrow thing as well. This, the problem with the suit is we live in, the, we live in a society where we have high-tech cameras and everything else. When you want to add layers to a suit, especially a superhero suit, you can't make it all one fabric.
1: No, I agree with that.
2: And when you look at like the neck area and the arms and are trying to make it look like some of it's raised and stuff like that. It doesn't look right because it looks, it's all one fabric. I and think, it the, black, look I
1: think right. the black canary suit on arrow is the exception to that rule. Right. I think that they did that well and I think they did what they needed to do with that, but I totally get what you're trying to say. It looks too washed out because it's yeah. all one thing. Now, maybe there are going to be subtle changes to it. Once it we get to air. It looks very foamy. I mean, once we get to I mean, yeah. this is, again, again, it's the words first look, which means to yeah. me, this can change, not drastically. It's still going to look like this, but there are still could be additions added to it because he's not even in the pilot, from what we know. Yeah. So it's not like he's in the pilot. They still have time to change things up and even add things post-production if they wanted to. So I don't think this is set in stone, but as, as a first look... I'm not a huge fan.
2: I agree with you on that whole Red Tornado look with the suit and everything else. But that's going to do it for Nerd News this week. We'll come up next. We have our interview with the great, lovely, and talented Vanessa Marshall from Marvel and Disney XD's Guardians of the Galaxy animated series. Gamora is stopping by on Down and Nerdy next. This is David Sobolov, voice of Grodd on The Flash and Drax on Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy. And you're listening to the Down and Nerdy podcast.
1: Well, if you managed to catch it, about a week or so ago, we had a sneak preview of Guardians of the Galaxy on Disney XD, and now we've got the first episode coming up on September the 26th. We just happen to have the very own Gamora right here with us this week. It's Vanessa Marshall. Vanessa, how are you doing today? I'm doing great today. Every day. All is well.
2: How about you? <laughs> we are fantastic. Fantastic. I hear you. <laughs> <laughs> so we had your, well, she described it, your sister from another mister, Courtney Taylor, on the podcast a couple weeks ago. And she said uh, that... Oh, my the, favorite. I love her. Uh, yes. And she said the exact same thing about you too. <laughs> and she said uh. that... And she said, when the two of you got together, we're going to get together at Dragon Con, there would be, quote, no air, due to all the laughter you two are going to be generating. So we'd like to know... How much air did you two take from all that laughter? And what shenanigans did you two get into at the con? I'm going to plead the fifth. Oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no.
0: That, that's, that's an answer yeah. in itself right there. I, I uh, will say I've never seen such beautiful costumes in my entire life. I have also never seen so many people um, partying so hard. Uh, uh the elevators you know they have uh glass and they're made by the same people who uh designed the Bonaventure Hotel in Los mm-hmm. Angeles for a frame of reference for those of you who have um watched things beneath you as you rise above uh many costumed humans were using those as a way to showcase their talents from floor to floor to floor i was on the 28th <laughs> floor and each elevator ride was its own special magical, fragrant experience and um wow, oh, yeah, that's man. not where that's not where the crimes were committed um, <laughs> for but, uh, you know yeah I, I adore her she man i I wish I, it don't we look like sisters you yes, do, you be, really do right? yeah.
2: well, totally. Says- we had her on. She's like, I saw her. I'm like, You have red hair, and I do too. And we're going to be friends for a long time. Mm-hmm. It was just like one of totally. those things. Yeah, she's, like like family. she's
1: just so cool. It, it was really yeah, amazing. I adore her. If you put a picture of you two side by side, it's like, Wow, they really could be sisters.
0: Exactly. <laughs> just it's saying. Really-
1: it's really crazy. Well, I'm sure I know that this isn't your that wasn't your first rodeo. It wasn't your first con. so did something happen when you were there, or do you have another crazy con experience from the past that you can remember what was the what was the craziest that you can think of?
0: Well, I, I must say, riding up in the elevator uh, with these people, the girls were waving, and I said, What are you guys doing?' And she said, This was a dragon con. She said, Oh, they're looking for flashers. And I said, What are those, light sticks for a rave? She said, (laughs) no. She said, my boobies. And then she raised her shirt, as as did all the ladies in the elevator, and everyone from floor to floor (laughs) waved and waved and waved and waved. And I thought, all right, well, if I make it to my room alive, I will be very grateful. (laughs) And uh, the 28th floor couldn't come soon enough. No, not judging, not judging, just not not participating in the games at hand. So, so the
1: question is, did you start on the ground floor? Yes, sir. Oh, um, oh my God. Yeah, I mean, if you
0: want to talk like a nerd's dream come true, wow. I got to say, that's these a, ladies gave it up for the crowd. It was uh, quite wow. a showcase. That's a They're, lot of boob. That's a lot of all. All Uh, sorts were represented in that elevator. I this went on all night long till about six thirty in the morning. (laughs) Yeah, dude, I placed out of that. I just said, "Okay, twenty eighth floor. I'm out of here. Bye bye now." Oh wow! Yeah, and then I got to my room. There was some naked dude barfing on the ground. I just said, "Are you alive?" Oh come on! I no. Hey, look this. You want the truth, Ruth? Oh, yeah. I mean, this is the deal. Oh no, that's uh, it's crazy! Like, it's yeah, so I, I just made sure the naked dude was alive. I shouted, "Are you alive?" He went, "Oh yeah, yeah." I said, Terrific. "Call your mom." And uh, just went into the room, locked the door, put the bolt on.
3: Yeah, oh, and then yeah. I got online and
0: was nerding out on Instagram. I was like, oh, like, so, like, so, pretty, like so
2: pretty much."
0: You gotta love it, man. You gotta yeah. love it. Team spirit, dude. Yeah. Any,
2: anytime you go like to a hotel and it's like Delta House from Amble House, you know you're gonna have a That's fun. The, I gotta go be out. honest. It literally, it was like the
0: the engineering quad went crazy. Right. <laughs> yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. Oh,
2: my God. Well, speaking of some people, who but you were, know what?
0: Huh. Good for them, man. You oh know, yeah, no doubt.
2: no doubt, no doubt. Hell yeah! Part Live of the answer. dream. Hell yeah! Do you? Can you yeah. imagine? Can you imagine being that guy though, and like he goes for a job interview and says, "Oh, sweet, we're gonna hire you," but what's this video of, like vomiting on the floor? Oh, you know, man. At, at, yeah. At, at <laughs> <the hotel?
0: laughs>
2: yeah, it's not. It's not wow. really one for the LinkedIn profile, as no,
3: far as I can tell. I no. think you might
0: just want to omit that. Wow. Yeah, but you know, now I'm talking about the hours between eleven p.m. and six a.m. Yeah. Now. During the day, it was all brilliant costumes all the time. Everyone was, you know, really well-mannered, and, you know, everyone was just so cool and so kind and enthusiastic, and it was such a safe place for people to just be who they were and, you know, act however they wanted, and uh, it was was really amazing to watch. I, I loved it. I had a great time. I really did.
2: Oh yeah, and one of the things you did actually over the summer too is you actually the voice for the Special Olympics. How was that?
0: Oh man, the difficulty was not crying while reading a copy. Um, I, it was just so inspiring. Uh, ESPN wrote really, really magnificent copy, and you know I would tell them, you know, could you please not describe what because I was in my home studio and I was sending them whatever they required, but, um, you know, there was a kid who was running the 10 K on his hands and, mm. you know, I mean, it was just kids really accomplishing quite miraculous things. And I was really, really honored to do. I would have done it for free. Of course, you know, thanks to the union, I, right, <laughs> I,
3: yeah, I, yeah. I was paid
0: for the job, but I mean that, I mean, that's really what it's all about. I, um, one of, um, the times I was signing autographs at DragonCon actually, uh, family came up and I, you know, wished the kid happy birthday. And then the father came up after and he said, thank you so much for spending time with my son. He's, you know, functionally autistic. And for whatever reason, your character on star Wars, Hera is the only thing that makes him speak or remotely happy.
3: Wow. And, he, and
0: yeah, he had tears in his eyes and he, he just thanked me. And, uh, you know, uh, it, it, it's jobs like that or times like that, both the Special Olympics and, um, you know, hearing how children are moved by what I'm doing and saying and reading out loud. You know, it's, I'm just reading English out loud, but, you know, it really is rewarding to know that on the other end of it, people's lives
1: are impacted in a positive way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and, and I mean, and that's it what that. it's all about. Yeah, and you mentioned doing uh, the voice of Hera on Star Wars Rebels. I mean, Mm -hmm. that kind of kicked off the Star Wars fever that is really at an all-time high right now. And obviously a very passionate fan base. Were you ever worried when you signed up for that, uh, how the fans were going to respond to the character and the show itself, being something, one of the first new Star Wars things that had come out in a while? I wasn't nervous
0: at all because I knew that the exact same crew who brought us the Clone Wars which I enjoyed thoroughly. I knew that they were at the helm of this. And when I booked the job and I went to my first day, they said, welcome to the family. And truer words are never spoken. And that's exactly what it's been like. And I had this experience when I played Mary Jane on spectacular Spider-Man with uh, Greg Weissman.
3: Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, we were all fans of that comic and, when you have people who love what they do as much as you know all of the cast members do for Star Wars, as well as um, that very special cast in um, the Spectacular Spider-Man, it it really makes a huge difference. And I never worried then because we all wanted to uphold the legend and really hearken back to the original trilogy um, and that passion made it so much more fun. And I think when we're having fun, it translates for the viewer. And um, you know, everyone is happy. I really, I I felt strongly in my heart that it would land on those who truly love Star Wars, that, you know, of of every age group, really, uh, that there would be something for everyone to latch on to and really, you know, sink their teeth into for lack of a better phrase. But Um, I know when I got my scripts, as I read them, I was very, very moved, and I Mm -hmm. didn't know how anyone could not be moved. They were even better, given the animation that I eventually saw. Nothing, uh, Nothing could prepare me for what that was like. It sort of came in stages. I would get the script, I would read it, I would have my own private meltdown. Then I would go read the words out loud with other actors, make discoveries, and have yet another... Meltdown in my car following mm-hmm. the recording session, <laughs> you know? uh, and then when I would see it on television, I, I, I was just mesmerized by the animation and Lucasfilm really knocked it out of the park as they always do. And um, I was really just so honored to be a part of it. I never worried. So that's well, the long-winded answer
3: to you. Well, yeah.
2: Right. Topic of Star Wars, no question. Well, actually, no it's Star Wars talking. Actually, or any point of conversation it would be complete. Well, asking somebody, especially you, if you could have any lightsaber color, what would it be? Probably green.
0: Really? Either that or purple. I might, I might go Mace Windu style. Nice. Yeah, actually, I'll, I'll go Mace.
2: Yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah a, man. I'm a purple guy myself, so I. It's yeah, just so, man. I'm always. So yeah. Oh yeah, well, I'm always somebody like I like the lightsaber colors that are different, you know, from the traditional blue, red, yeah. and, and yeah. greens. You know, yeah. so I was kind of well, thinking green. I, I thought green because she's a green
0: Twi'lek, but right. But you know, I'm still I'm campaigning for two things. One, bring back Plo Koon. There's a small chance that Order sixty six did not actually, you know, his plane could have crashed. I'm just saying we could rebuild him. Yes, and Mace yeah. Windu. He's a very agile dude. You never know. He could have flown out that window and been like, pa I That's right. <laughs> yes. You know, please bring back Mace. I love oh, that guy. Yeah. But, you know. Yeah, I'm, I'm a party of one, uh, you know, in this campaign. I'm, I know everyone loves him, but I'm like sort of holding this flag and, and prayer that maybe there's some way. Well, you never know. <laughs> uh, could happen. I love that guy. It could happen. <laughs> I mean, look, Darth Vader got slightly burnt up Anakin, he had quite the tan on Mustafar, you know, limbs were lost, and look at that guy, you
1: know? Exactly. So you never know. Well, you were lucky enough to be part of another very popular franchise, Guardians of the Galaxy, of course, it's going to be coming out, Yes. and with the movie being so amazingly popular... It, uh-huh. You really put your own spin on Gamora when we were, when we were watching the preview of the series. So what did you feel like you needed to do kind of set yourself apart from what they did in the movie? Well, uh,
0: the executives have described their casting choices as feel-alikes. Not sound-alikes, but feel-alikes. And to the extent that most Marvel characters, we know them. Um, I was not as familiar with the Guardians of the Galaxy. I was more familiar with uh, Avengers, X-Men, and Mm -hmm. um, some of the other franchises that I, you know, have enjoyed. But, yeah, we auditioned for this way before the movie came out, so we had no clue uh, what they sounded like or who. We were grabbing at straws, and, um, you know, we signed NDAs, and I have a, a ton of Marvel things here, and I... Uh, rooted through and I found the first issue that Gamora was in and, you know, how she evolved the different uh, iterations and got a basic sense. I mean, obviously she's a stealth assassin and um, at this point in the narrative, she's sort of had a change of heart and now she's sort of seeking redemption for her past crimes uh, that she committed, you know, under Thanos' tutelage, if you will. Mm. And um, so it's an interesting time for her, where she's not sort of blindly, uh, killing for Thanos, but she's sort of forced to work together with these other criminals to stop other fanatical warriors from taking over the universe. But, um, and I just sort of brought the strongest parts of myself. I have studied, uh, kickboxing and martial arts and uh, MMA fighting, I box at least three times a week. So I understand sort of the physical strength that those things require and uh, the agility and all that kind nice. of stuff. So I basically, I brought the best parts of myself to the microphone and hoped that they might sort of coincide. And they did, luckily. And um, once I saw the movie, and I was still unable to tell my friends that I was playing Gamora because they didn't announce that till long after the film uh, Mm -hmm. premiered. And I I so enjoyed the movie. had such a great time. Um, When I finally was able to talk about it, uh, I then went and saw it maybe 20 times. (laughs) 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 You know, uh, not only for the nerd out factor, uh, I love the soundtrack and uh, I would love to hang out. Oh, man, please. Seriously, I listen to that soundtrack 24 hours a day still. Oh. Um, but, uh, but I wanted to really understand her. And one thing that the movie taught me was how curious she is. Her alien race is sort of getting to know, obviously, Star-Lord is Spartax, and but, you know, for the most part, he's half human. And, you know, when he puts the Walkman on her ears, like all of this makes no sense to her. Mm-hmm. So it, her great strength is coupled with, um... Not an ignorance, but there's a learning curve for her in terms of um, communicating and, and comprehending the people that she's forced to fly around with.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And I found that interesting, and I thought that the movie really um, presented that uh, to create more depth for the character. Um, and it's interesting. As we've gone along, I feel like she's become more grounded. When I watched... Uh, the first episode, Road to Nowhere, she's a very different character at the beginning and she, she gets more and more grounded as it goes along. And I think vocally she's impacted by those changes and she gets more and more secure and I think her voice gets even more and more confident in that regard. So uh, it was fun for me to see the episode, to notice, wow, by the end of it, she's actually evolved quite a bit, which is mm-hmm. really cool.
2: Oh, definitely. And the one thing about, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy 2 is, you know, of course, it's the property, it's based on a team concept. So and a major thing when, you know, James and I watched the preview that came through very well with us in the show is that everyone sounds like they've known each other forever. Like, you know, oh, it's just the yeah. cast and, and the characters themselves. So when mm-hmm. you were first hired on the show, of course, we had your good friend, and our friend as well, David Sobolov on the show a mm-hmm. few weeks ago. Yep. Talk yep. about this too were there any events or activities you and the rest of the cast did to build that great chemistry or was it that you all kind of walked in you're like i know you from this thing or kind of like a or do you know everybody going in well you know i think we from the moment we walked in there mm-hmm.
0: we are sort of the self-effacing hilarious crew that is the guardians of the galaxy oh no doubt, definitely. Um, definitely you know what i'm saying like none of, like we're not we're not uh, seeing through time and space or doing any astrophysics in that room, we're, we're lucky enough to be there and have a great time. I, I oh, yeah. would like to say that what truly brought us together was the Zabars that I ordered for the group. I would like to say that the pastrami sandwiches on rye and the pickles.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: I, I love me some food, and uh, I found out that a lot of the uh, executives and people that are from New York, and I realized you could get an actual boatload of food from Zabar's, and I had it delivered to the studio. (laughs) One of them walked in and said, what are we, sitting shiva? And I was like, no, let's nosh, come on. So, uh, you know, I mean, oh, wow. we all, the, the, everyone in the cast is so generous. David went out and got us all the um, the infinity figures and, oh, uh, you know, oh, it, wow. it's just, everyone is just so generous of spirit and no one's keeping score and none of us take ourselves too seriously. There are no haters. There's no sort of egocentric, narcissistic nonsense. We're all just very jolly, playful, and you know, the minute we get down to the work, we get very serious. But we just I don't know, I'm sort of a dude. I understand that I'm a female. <laughs> but I, like I get that, but I kind of think like a dude. I like football, I like hockey, I like boxing, I've gone to gun ranges. I realize I'm the only chick there for many of the episodes. But it's sort of like a locker room, and we're good. Yeah. You know, yeah, oh, uh, I can imagine. It's hard, it's hard to explain, but we just we fit together so well from the moment we started. I really, really, really look forward to those sessions.
1: How yeah. long, how long um, is the how long is the gag reel going to be for this series?
0: Okay, well, here's the thing: uh, when Kevin Michael Richardson goes he does a little Herbie Hancock action. For whatever it's worth, I don't know if it's my improv background, all he has to do is go, and I'm right there, I'm locking and popping, I'm working it out, I'm talking, and I know at some session, at some session they do have footage of this, and I I hope it's some of my best work, because I really work that out, you know. Uh. And and it's just sort of like in the middle of nowhere. We'll be doing like a really touching scene and then he'll go (laughs) and you know I am locking and popping.
3: (laughs) That's so awesome.
0: And then and then they'll go, Okay guys, please and then it's right back to being totally serious (laughs) and one hundred and ten percent professional and on point.
2: So while you were popping and locking to the rain and the uh were there any dance offs or, as Ronan puts it, showcases of pelvic sorcery going on in the booth between you guys? Uh, no,
0: I win all contests. No, <laughs> <laughs> nah, I got that on lock. No one even touches it. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> no, so no, no man.
1: So there's no there's no dispute there at all.
0: No, dude. No, they just you know if there's a dance requested, they all look at me. I'm just like pissed. yeah, go, ah. Marshall.
2: Yeah, I'm just I'm just picturing David walking into the booth dressed up like this from Run DMC with a boombox, like in shades. Uh, yeah, David is so um,
0: he's such a nice, kind man from Canada. Oh, yeah. You know oh, what I mean? Is. And then you get the wing nuts like us in there. He just sort of looks over. He's a lot like Drax, you know. He's very <laughs> simple. No doubt. <laughs> I mean, he finds us very um, adorable, I would guess, but. Um, he is like such an earnest, good person. Oh yeah. He he sort of looks over and chuckles, you know, he's definitely not gonna be breakdancing. Oh no and same with Trevor, <laughs> Trevor Duvall is a fine gentleman from Canada. You know, they're very I mean, don't don't get me wrong, they're right in the comedy, no doubt. But uh uh it's really me, Kevin and Will, we, we really are um nuts. <laughs>
1: Oh, I, I, I I I'm sure that that's a fun room to be in. Yeah, you gotta have a, a couple
0: straight room. guys. You know what I mean? I mean straight, like not like you know. Not I, I know what you, I I what
2: you meant. I know what you meant. Yeah, serious yeah. kind of guys. Those those very really deadpan guys. Yeah, right to
0: play off of. Um, but everyone's nuts. Like we're all just bonkers in there, and um, and every guest that we've had has been perfect. I mean, I think it's just the way they cast it. Uh, that they they hire people who fall right into that mentality of sort of being playful and just supportive. It's, oh, yeah. it's really, really
2: great. Oh yeah. So Vanessa, where can your uh, fans get a hold of you on social media?
0: Well, I'm on Twitter at Van Marshall. Sweet. Um, you can find me on Facebook. I'm not sure what the URL is, but I'm there. And um, what, what I think I'm on Instagram as Vanessa Marshall one one three eight. And uh, I just started Periscope, but I really have no clue what I'm doing there. <laughs> <laughs> so bear with me. Yeah, we did a press thing on Periscope. Uh, I think I'm on Snapchat, too, but I, I'd, I'd have to look into it. I, I have a friend who's a singer, uh, Caroline Vreeland. Check yeah. her out, man. The only reason I'm on Snapchat is to check her feed. She's insane. <laughs> so talented and gorgeous. She's Diana Vreeland's granddaughter, who was the original editor of Vogue. Wow, Wow, nice. Yeah, Caroline Vreeland. She is exquisitely gorgeous. And, you know, you see a girl like that and you go, the Lord giveth and taketh away. Surely she's an idiot, right? No, 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 no. no. She is generous of spirit. She's reading a book every five minutes. Uh-huh. She is a, a kind, loving, wonderful soul, and beautiful inside and out. And that's the only reason I'm on Snapchat so far.
1: So but, if, you know, if Vanessa Marshall tells you to go check her out, you definitely need to go check her out. Now, oh of course, my goodness, she is just gorgeous. And of course we want you to check out Guardians of the Galaxy it's officially premiering on Disney XD on September the 26th. Sneak peek is available now online and on demand too by the way and series season 2 excuse me of Star Wars Rebels will premiere on October the 14th also on Disney XD. The wonderful the fantastic Vanessa Marshall, thank you so much for joining us this week. Thank you so much you guys anytime. I really really loved it.
2: You know James, I think it's really cool when we have an interview with with somebody and they tell us you know, you guys are great. I love your podcast. Yeah. That's, like that means yeah, a that's, lot.
1: That's really cool. And, and and we appreciate her for saying that. And, and, and anybody for saying that, that they really enjoy the show. And hey, we enjoy having people like her on because we love getting her perspective. Her energy was just off the charts. And clearly you're going to Dragon Con this year. So uh, yeah, uh, that's Hell happening. Yeah. So just look for Dick at Dragon Con next year, yeah. but but no, I mean such great, I mean, and we, we want you to watch Guardians of the Galaxy on Saturdays on Disney XD, and also Star Wars Rebels It's going to be coming up later on in October as well, we want you to tune in for that
2: exactly, and that's going to do it for this week's edition of Down Nerdy, Yeah, we thank you all for listening, thanks to Bob over at Fantasy Escape for sponsoring us, as he does every week, again, go see Bob from the Virginia Beach area, and go check out some comics that he has for you, uh, but again that's going to do it for Down Nerdy this week You can hit us up on social media, facebook.com slash downnerdy. We're on Twitter as well, the little website with the bird. We're at downnerdy757. I'm at merc with one arm, uh, James. Jeez, I'll call you Nick for a second.
1: You can shoot me the bird, at James Ace, with him on Twitter, as a matter of fact. And online, downnerdypodcast.com. Everything your little nerd heart desires. You've got all the info on this week's shows that are going to be coming up. Also, you can listen to our past interviews on there. Find us on social media. Anything we've got going on, we'll have it for you. Downnerdypodcast.com.
2: Exactly. I also have a phone number you can call anytime. Leave us a question, 757 512 8229. Let us know what it is and let us know. And who knows, maybe we'll even air your question on the following uh. week's podcast. So there's some reason you should call in for us. But that's going to do it. And I leave you with this. As always, practice safe comic book reading, nerds. Always back on board your comics.